Welcome to Off The Record. I'm your host, Marika Day, dietitian, nutritionist, recovering perfectionist, and founder of Fueled by Marika Day. Join me here each week as we delve into what it really means to be a healthy and happy human. You'll hear from conversations with experts in their fields to raw and real chats about aspects of health and life that we really don't hear enough about. You'll be left feeling inspired, educated, and empowered to be the best version of you. So sit back, relax, or head on out for your walk, and let's dive on in. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode. Today's episode, I am joined by APD, Accredited Practicing Dietitian and Nutritionist, Jonathan Steedman. He is the founder of the newly named Bite Me Nutrition, which was previously The Dietitian. And he is a practicing dietitian in that he is seeing clients up in Brisbane, but works primarily online as well. And today we are going to be talking about diet culture. Of all things, we are going to be delving into, I guess, what is diet culture, the harms that diet culture sort of brings upon us, and just having a really good chat about how we have both seen it present through our clients and, and clinics that we've had you know, over the years, and some really practical steps about how we can combat diet culture. So really good episode, and I'm just going to let us get straight into it. Welcome to Off The Record, Jono Steedman. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here and thank you for coming on to talk about a topic that I think that we both probably resonate with a lot, which is diet culture. Yes, unfortunately, <laughs> whether we want to or not. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, now, Jono, you work for yourself as far as I'm aware. Could you tell us a little bit about um, what you do and who you are as a dietitian? And I find most interestingly as one of the, I would say, lead male dietitians in this industry. Oh, careful now. Head's growing. Thank you. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, a credit practicing dietitian at uh, the newly named uh, Bite Me Nutrition just very good name. wide thank you thank you um it's certainly better for seo than my current not seo just spelling i'm currently the dietitian for those of you who are unaware and that was just a poor business choice however moving right along um just do a whole host of you know nutrition related things uh no one specific niche just aiming to meet people wherever they're at with food whether they are quite well experienced in their journey or they're new or they've tried everything and it hasn't worked just helping people I just really love food like I kind of have this theory that dietitians either came from loving health and then grew a love of science and food or they kind of like you start off loving health and then grow to love food or you start off loving food and grow to love health mm. I don't know if that's and so I definitely have come from the loved food and then learned all the science side of it as well but anyway so I think I just want people to love food yeah I'm the exact same I never thought I would end up in a I guess medical or health related yeah, um, profession yeah. <laughs> at all let alone a science related profession um so yeah I was definitely my backup option is chef pastry chef is like my number one like backup amazing option, so. yeah it's just and it's just a good excuse to talk about food all day right so exactly the only thing yeah. I find is that you do get quite hungry when you talk about food all day every day so a huge, a huge risk. Yep. That 2 p.m. consult hurts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now with your clinic, are you primarily online? Is that correct? 
Yeah, I think it's probably about a 70-30 split. So yeah. I have a face-to-face office in Brisbane, but a, a well over 50% of my clients are online, which is really exciting and is definitely happened more so thanks to COVID. But um, I think just as a, you know, as a society, we're getting used to online stuff and it's really cool to be able to connect with a like-minded individual regardless of postcode. So I'm a huge online fan. Yeah, definitely. And I guess talking about online, the the topic of today is diet culture. What sort of role do you see diet culture has played in the lives of your clients or just people that you've interacted with either online or face-to-face? It's it's huge. I think it's typically their first introduction to anything food related. So they, you view food and nutrition through the lens of that, you know, all pervasive diet culture and think of food as these nutrients and these calories and broken down into these things. And you try and fit yourself into these perfect ideals rather than coming at it from a, dare use the word holistic, but more of a, you know, (laughs) natural, healthy angle. And so, because that's the first way they've learned to interact with food, that's the only way that they know how to proceed and feel like they have to tick those boxes to achieve their goals. And that can ultimately (laughs) be rough. Yeah. And I feel like there's not really many, other alternatives aside from diet culture when you sort of first immerse yourself in the nutrition space online like that's sort of what you see yeah it's the noisiest they've got the biggest ad spend (laughs) they've got the the fanciest names behind them you know they've got all the money so of course they're going to be if you just google something that's going to be the first kind of few pages of results that you see so you kind of have to work and dig through that stuff to get to something that's maybe a little bit more realistic and a bit more helpful. But for those who, you know, aren't nutrition nerds, like we are, they don't want to spend their whole life dealing with that stuff. They don't even know that that's what's happening. So they just take it at face value and and go with it. Yeah. So for those um, that are listening that maybe don't know what we're talking about when we're talking about diet culture, what would your description of diet culture be or your explanation of diet culture? Um. I intentionally didn't Google this because I was like, oh, what do, yeah, like, don't, get the, <laughs> don't get the Webster's Dictionary uh, version of it. I think for me, it boils down to this idea or marketing tool that there's one perfect body, one perfect health construct, one perfect exercise, one perfect dietary pattern, and, and we should all be striving to achieve that. And so because of that, as we all know, we're not all... <laughs> like we're so unique because we're all trying to fit into this one sort of view can be really, really damaging. But I think that's, that's what I think of when I think of diet culture, I think of trying to convince people that they need to look like and act like this. Yeah. And I would say very similar again, I haven't Googled it specifically, but I would say it would be something like a set of ideals or a set of beliefs or something like that, that yeah, essentially make you conform to the rest of the world in totally. how they believe and whoever they is. I, I don't even know. Like the, the people making <laughs> with the a money. capital T. Yeah, yeah, T yeah. With a, yeah, yeah. They were the capital Someone T. Someone making a lot more money than we are. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, I would say very similar definition to that. So yeah, that sort of gives you, I guess, an idea of what diet culture is. But how does it then become harmful? Yeah, well, I think because you're trying to fit this one ideal without any consideration for you you know you as a person both your genetics and your lifestyle and your environment and all of those other factors it's it's kind of like a square peg round hole scenario for a lot of people the that ideal diet that ideal body is not 
attainable and should in a lot of places should not even be attainable. And so of course, if you're striving to achieve something that isn't attainable, you're not attaining it. You're not going to be feeling super happy about your progress or your results, or even, you know, it it impacts your self-worth, all of these things, because you're trying to fit this mold that, like I said, arguably you probably shouldn't be trying to fit, but if you've just jumped onto Google and want to learn a little bit about nutrition, you're just getting bombarded by, no, no, this is what you need to do. This is how to be healthy. And if you can't do that, like, well, you're weak, you failed, you need to try harder. Mm, exactly. Why my shake? So, yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah. actually that, that brings me to a really good point is that it's not only that diet culture is affecting us like mentally, which is, I guess what you were sort of saying is that it makes us feel like we're failing. It makes us feel like we're never achieving anything but we're also spending money a lot of the time on diet culture. So financially we're having a big impact there. And then I would also add there, like from our physical health, there is a lot of times where diet culture and engaging in the practices that diet culture, you know, says is healthy is actually quite detrimental to our health. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, I think you and I both experienced and viewed the, like the, probably the, the biggest benchmark or the biggest hallmark of diet culture is restriction right of whether it be a food yeah (laughs) happiness joy yeah yeah (laughs) but you know whether it be a specific food group or you know energy um like you know total energy intake or just just a whole host of things and so typically broad restriction or restriction without any kind of um i guess structure in mind is is going to be damaging you know and most of the foods that they're are forcing you to restrict are actually really healthy foods, both from a physical health, but also, you know, mental health, social health, all of these other spheres of health that are important. Um, and so, yeah, it can just be damaging in so many ways. Mm. And I know most of my audience are female, but I just wanted to ask from a male's perspective is, is diet culture something that, uh, as I said, like uh, most of my audience are females and it is something that we very much do see as prevalent and targeted towards us. Is this something that's similar for males as well? Like, do you feel, and do you see um, these sorts of messages being marketed towards you or towards any of your male clients? Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely think females cop, cop it worse than we do. Um, but I also think, I know this might surprise you to hear, but males typically aren't great at talking about how they feel, you know? (laughs) So often, even if there has been an impact, it's harder to sort of tease out. Um, And even for the individual themselves, you know, you sort of, it can be hard to admit, yeah, I'm really struggling because I don't look the way that this, this guy on TV looks, you know? And that's how, that can be diet culture, as sneaky as that. If you look at, dare I say a show like The Bachelor, every girl looks a certain way every guy looks a certain way and so even without anything explicitly being said as a guy you look and go well i'm supposed to look like that because that's attractive and if i don't look like that there's something wrong with me i need to work hard to look like that and so yeah i definitely think a lot of the more overt marketing messages around diet culture are driven at towards females but just as a whole it's definitely impacting Males, I think it's just a little more, it doesn't present itself as obviously it can be a lot, a lot more subtle. So that's fine. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Like it's a bit more subtle, but it's not as like, it's, I mean, it's equally as damaging, even if it is more subtle um, mm. because 
it, it doesn't matter if it's obvious or subtle, it's still having the same impact. Has, exactly, exactly. Yeah, they get you, they'll get you one way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think that the thing for me when it comes to females though is that, like you said with the males though, is that it's so common and so almost expected that this is the behaviours or the way that you should look that anything that's not that is actually a problem with you as opposed to a problem or a problem that, you know, you haven't got the willpower or you haven't got, you know, the ability to do this. This is something that inherently is your fault because you can't achieve it or you can't um, adhere to whatever it is that they're saying. Is that something that you see in your clinic? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've sort of kind of talked about it before. It blows my mind how, and I, like, me too for everyone. I'm not trying to say like oh, the, the people who are silly, everyone, if a diet, <laughs> if a diet doesn't work, no one ever blames the diet, right? Like if I bought a vacuum cleaner and my vacuum cleaner doesn't work, my first thought isn't, oh, I must be using it wrong. My first thought is this vacuum cleaner sucks. I'm taking it back. But if I try a diet and it doesn't work, it's never the diet's fault. It's always, like you said, I lacked discipline. I didn't try hard enough. I didn't work hard enough. And I think I don't even know how they've achieved it in a way it's quite impressive but like we've they've turned diet culture has made us blame ourselves for everything wrong and they have somehow removed themselves from you know blame because i guess like we said it's not the diet's fault if you just followed the diet you you'd be you'd look like a contestant on the bachelor i'll try and stop going back to that but instead (laughs) we'll go to love island next (laughs) yeah cool cool yeah just as bit more fake tan actually probably yeah. but um you <laughs> know it is <laughs> it is that that kind of getting you to blame yourself and it's incredible how they have managed it and getting you to blame yourself for things that are actually not even wrong I think is the really big thing like it's Absolutely. getting you to blame yourself for having a body shape that is not what somebody has said is the best way to be like it's like that's actually not how bodies like nobody sits here and goes oh your eyes are blue that's you know something wrong with yeah, you you should that. change that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try harder. Exactly. <laughs> Get taller. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Jeanette, like it's so much of that is genetic. Um, and we, we, we know so much of our, our appetite and our tastes and, you know, our body shape and size and preferences are genetic as well. And obviously, yeah, there's other factors, but genetics play such a huge role. We don't blame someone for being short or tall. Mm. You know, it just, we just accept that that's where your genetics, you know, put you. But for some reason, when it comes to, to food and diet, we don't have that same understanding. And in particular, I would add that like, when it comes to our fat mass, that's something that we should have entire control over, obviously. Like, it, it's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It's, it's all discipline. It's yeah. all discipline. <laughs> um, so when it comes to diet culture presenting in your clinic, I wanted to sort of gauge how you most see it come up. And so how people at home listening might be able to sort of identify in their life. So a few examples I've got, is it around like body image or is it around mental health or preoccupation with food or preoccupation with their body? What are the ways that you do see it more frequently? More the, yeah, definitely. At least in my experience, more the preoccupation with food and body image. Those are the two biggest things. And I guess they then perpetuate into if you have that poor body image that typically impacts self-esteem, which is going to impact, play, play a role in negative mental health. Um, and so it, it kind of starts with that food fear, you know, certain foods are bad, certain foods are good um, and kind of having that dichotomous 
thinking around those foods and then that kind of of course if you've eaten a bad food then you have done a bad thing and you're a terrible person and so that's going to impact self-esteem because you feel like you've done something bad um, and vice versa or not vice versa simultaneously sorry if you are unhappy with your body image and you know you're comparing it to love island uh i almost said love actually <laughs> that would be <laughs> way better, better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um tis the season no you know if you're <laughs> you're comparing your body shape to to those other body shapes you're going to have that poor body image and so that's typically i'd say where it starts at least in in my clinic it's the either fear of certain foods or f- just food in general mm. and or a a poor relationship with your with your own body image and then that typically impacts those those other things around mental health self-esteem and those other factors yeah and then that's where i guess it can slippery slope into an eating disorder relatively quickly as well yeah yeah definitely um see lots of disordered eating and then you know there, there is that bit of a blurry line sometimes between where are you on the spectrum um and often mm. as well as the I'm not sure I don't want anyone to panic and start self-diagnosing, but it's easy as well. If that's all you know, you don't necessarily see that you can't eat cake during the week as a problem. Because if that's all you've like if that's what you've done for the past 10 years, it's not a problem. It's just all you know. Yeah, I think that's a really good discussion to have is that what is diet culture and what is like just like healthy discipline. Like, you know, I just don't, I, I want to be healthy. <laughs> yeah. But how would you define the two? Like, how would you separate if somebody is engaging in diet culture versus um, just being healthily disciplined with their diet to try and be a bit healthier? Sorry, throwing a hard question there. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. No, look, I actually, um, I think a really, really often overlooked part of this is intent, right? And so it's not the it's not always about the behavior itself it's about the intent and the rational like the the rationale behind that behavior um and so i think i've i'm definitely stealing this from somewhere i can't remember where but you know like if someone says someone's trying to reduce their intake of a certain food um you know and because they they find that they have no need to be careful with the word control but you know they they find that they're they're unable to kind of eat it in moderation and so someone offers them that food and they say no for that person in that moment on their dare i say the word journey that can be a really positive you know step for them whereas for someone else who said no to that food from a place of i can't eat it it's bad it's high in refined sugar i'm trying to lose weight you know that's a bad food on the surface both of those people have said no to that food but the intent and the rationale behind that no is really really important and so i think that's probably a big issue with diet culture sometimes as well is it's not necessarily just the behavior that we have to talk about it's what is driving that behavior what has encouraged that behavior and i would add to that that what is the consequence of that behavior in terms like of i would add guilt and shame being two real driving forces behind diet culture whereas behind like healthy discipline is probably i don't know if that's what it's what i'm going with healthy discipline (laughs) um if you're choosing to eat healthier you know like you're choosing the salad over the burger and fries that's a very typical example but let's say you're choosing that out of because you genuinely are trying to make more health conscious choices and you know that the salad is a healthier option because often they're actually not um but you're, you're choosing that and that's what you're going with is that it's not sort of surrounded by this feeling like you said like the missing out but then also you're not after finishing that salad 
beating yourself up as well and feeling bad about yourself for either missing out or for the decisions that you made wasn't the best decision or should you have done differently? Like all of these questions that just yet yeah, drive that guilt and shame within us. I feel like that that is a sign that diet culture is having a really big impact on that person. Yeah. 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 Guilt and shame. They're the they're good, powerful motivators to, to buy back mm. into the, the diet cycle. Hey, <laughs> So on that note, what is this diet cycle? <laughs> Great segue. High five. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well done. Did that one for me. <laughs> oh, um, it, typically, it will start with wanting to change something about yourself, I guess. Um, and so the major drive or the main way to change something physically about yourself is food related or dieting. And so you'll start a diet. And like I mentioned, generally someone's first introduction to the world of dieting is through diet culture. Um, unfortunately, again, in my clinic, almost every single client I see has, when I ask, so what have you, what have you tried in the past? There goes 10 minutes of our consult, you know, like it's everything. Pe- yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. People are typically coming to see someone like us after they've gone through the ringer of diet culture. And so they want to change something about themselves. They Google, just punch my microphone sorry they google how to do that they they find this this dietary approach and they stick to it and like where they start it rather and it's typically quite a bit different to what they're currently doing um and so requires them to cut a whole heap of foods requires them to do a whole bunch of extra exercise and, and essentially just to almost scorched earth <laughs> their their old approach to diet and health generally those sorts of approaches don't work very well human beings don't like complete you know behavior change whiplash and so because of that you might only stick to this diet for a week to however long a a a short finite period of time enter guilt and shame because you failed right again it's not the diet's fault the diet was great it's just you sucked at sticking to the diet i'm using that's extremely sarcastic just in case that tome isn't, isn't being picked up you know and but then because of that uh Typically, if you're feeling guilt and shame based, you kind of rail against that restriction. You go hard the other way. You overdo all of the things you were restricting, understandably, and then feel terrible because maybe you've changed your your body or your behavior or your energy levels or your performance in the opposite direction to what you tried. So you look for another diet and, you know, rinse and repeat. And it just goes round and round. And I find that it's the time frame that that like circle sort of repeats itself is very different for very different people. So like, you know, someone might go yeah. through that entire circle all within one day. Like it might be, you know, Monday, going to start the day fresh by Monday afternoon, you're absolutely starving. You're over it. You're feeling the guilt and the shame. And by Monday night, you're binging. And by Tuesday morning, you're ready to start again. So for some people it's over like months, whereas others it's over a 24 hour period, that cycle. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I think it, it depends on the type because maybe you found a diet that sort of matches your tastes and preferences, you know, like maybe you don't love breakfast anyway. And so intermittent fasting is like a convenient label. And so maybe you stick to that one a little bit longer than you would something that is like eat six small meals a day, you know, but that to me sounds like hell. Right. So that could very much increase how long or decrease how long someone's able to stick to that that dietary pattern as well but again no one would ever think like oh i think maybe that diet suited my lifestyle a bit better or maybe that diet didn't suit me at all it's just 
yeah, I didn't try hard enough. I didn't want it bad enough. Yeah. And I think the other thing, as you were saying that before, I was thinking about where people are getting these messages that diet culture messages, but also the messages that it's them that's failing as opposed to the diet that's failing. And I actually think that there is obviously a lot of, you know, messages and voices that are to blame here, but sometimes that these messages are coming from health professionals or they are coming from influencers or, you know, personal trainers or those sorts of things. And they're explicitly saying you didn't try hard enough or you sh- you're non-compliant. That's the word I always hear, non-compliant. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. how, how am I supposed to be compliant to something that's not for me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it just, I mean, that'd be easy for me as a dietitian if I just blamed all of my clients when they were <laughs> getting the results that they wanted. So I think largely from a business perspective, it's 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 good business to say that because then it's not the business that's the problem. You know, it's the, it's the client that is the problem. And so it's from a practitioner perspective, it's just lazy, you know, it's rather than like, if I have clients who aren't successful, quote unquote, whatever you want. But if, you know, if the, the, we trial some strategies and they're not working, my first thought isn't, and I, not me, cause I'm wonderful. A good dietitian's first thought, <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> isn't like why, oh, come on, why haven't you done this? It's, mm, okay, why didn't that work? Like, what did we get wrong here? How did I, did I miss, they didn't like that food or did that not fit with the fact that between five and seven is getting the kids to bed? So they're not going to be able to, you know, it's it's more of that, like how as a practitioner did I stuff up and how can we work together as the client and practitioner team to improve our next, you know, few weeks, our next sort of strategic interventions. And, and again, I would argue that's how, every good health practitioner does work. It's just that the high volume dietary interventions, you know, the ones that get all of the social media (laughs) um, attention are the ones that churn through and they, they highlight their successful cases and they just kind of ignore and spit out the unsuccessful cases. Yeah. And I think that's where social media does have a lot to say for itself in that you can just really show the positives and not let any of the negatives or any of the, or like you said, like you can just draw that down to, well, that person wasn't compliant. So if you comply, then my program is incredibly successful. It's like, yeah, obviously. Anyone's is, that's easy. Yeah. yeah, It's the, um, what is it? It's survival, survival bias or survivorship bias, but basically where you only hear about people that are successful at something. And so for every 10 good reviews you hear of a diet, you don't hear the hundred people that it didn't work for because like what kind of review section would that be on a website? You know, like one in every 10 people are successful Buy my product. Like no one's going to market like that. (laughs) No one's going to do that. (laughs) But then the other thing is that, and this is where I, I get really annoyed with before and after pictures in this sense is because it's, the after picture, like it's, it's two moments in time. So even if they are like, obviously we've seen on Instagram over the last few years, it can very easily fabricate before and after pictures in a moment's time. But let's say it is a true, like, you know, 12 week transformation that this person's gone through. Where are they at 24 weeks? Where are they at 48 weeks? Where are they three years down the track? Like they're the things that I think that we, and again, I guess my bias is I'm a practitioner that cares about someone's health as opposed to what they look like. Yeah. Um, so that I think is always on my mind. And like you said earlier, is that, you know, these people then come to P- 
people like yourself and myself and they sort of go, oh, you know, we've done all of these things and it's still not working. Well, why, why can't I do this? And like you said, it, it's not that they're not doing the thing. It's that the system is fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing you're trying to do is not right for you. And in some cases, it's not right for anyone, but at least maybe for you is, is not right. And so I guess, I think the other thing as well, just with before and after photos is in that, let's say those 12 weeks, what's happened in those 12 weeks as well? Like, how have you achieved those results? Like, I'm impressed at your results. Don't get me wrong. But if you white knuckled your way through 12 weeks of chicken, broccoli and brown rice, then I'm impressed at your discipline, but I'm not very impressed at the approach, you know? Yeah. But also why? Like what? <laughs> I, I just don't see like every day. Love Island. I, <laughs> see, and this is where I'm just totally not here for diet culture. Cause I'm just like, I would rather get, yeah, I would rather never look like a Love Island <laughs> person and be able to actually have the energy to do the things that I enjoy doing. So being able to have the energy to go and pick up a deadlift and to be able to go and squat and to be able to go for walks, like that would be just so damaging to my mental well-being. So I can't imagine, obviously, you know, when you're getting targeted so heavily from these sort of businesses and companies and messages that are not even coming necessarily from businesses and companies. But, um, yeah, the, the effect on our whole body is just phenomenal. Mm, yeah. I wanted to ask you about a phenomenon called the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is something that I think ties in really well with diet culture. Could you tell us a little bit about what that is and I guess how does it play out online? Yeah. Um, I So, side note, I think it's become a controversial... I think it's been... It's not what we think it is, the actual Dunning-Kruger effect, but... Uh, it, yeah. it's more of the, I'm but a humble dietitian. So please don't ask me. Someone ask like a psych major. Um, but it's the, the kind of the belief that you are, that someone believes they know more than they know. Right. And so that their, their, um, skills and their knowledge far exceeds their actual skills and knowledge. And so basically you just get a lot of nutrition information that is wrong. <laughs> you know or like <laughs> to put it simply <laughs> well i was going to be diplomatic but that's not what we're here for um like you know there's well actually that's not true now that i say that out loud uh there's there's lots of nutrition information that is straight wrong that's not as dangerous as the nutrition information that has like a pearl of truth or has come from mm. something that's true but has been far like extrapolated far beyond that actual truth and almost turned it into something that it is not because that's much harder to catch because it sounds a lot more, you know, reasonable and a lot more believable. Um, and there's times where, you know, I consider myself fairly well read in nutrition science, but there's times where someone will ask me something, you know, like, what, what about this? I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think that's how it works, but geez, that does sound very plausible. Like, and I've got to go mm. dig through some pretty like dense nutrition information to get to the bottom of it. So, and I think that's where the Dunning-Kruger effect can have a, an impact where the people who maybe don't have all of the skills and the knowledge, they're going around loudly talking about these quote unquote nutrition facts. Um, and because they are maybe saying it in a very, appealing way with wonderful marketing and great branding and don't get me wrong like I think marketing and branding is awesome and I think that 
maybe dietitians should work a bit harder at it so we can compete but that's a topic for another time but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Double to> that. <laughs> because this message is a appealing b sounds fairly realistic and c is being promoted by someone who is charismatic and you know has a has a good brand like that's just how this stuff gets way out of hand and people start being scared of bread Mm. Uh, and the other thing I find is that it's almost easier if somebody when you mentioned then that it's often quite simplistic what I thought of then immediately was that it's often easier to have all or nothing thinking in the short term than it is to have a really balanced you know moderation approach to your health and to your diet because if you know if so-and-so's diet says you know you can't eat this and you have to eat this you don't actually have to think too much. You don't have to make any decisions for yourself. Yeah. You don't have to take any real initiative to change things. All you've got to do is go out and buy the food and cook the food. Whereas if, you know, someone like yourself says, oh, we've got like, you know, what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> you're, sort of like, you're sort of like, oh, shit. Like, I, I, I don't know. What do I want? I've never Can been asked cho- this. Chocolate? Like during <laughs> the week? Really? It's not my birthday? Yeah. No, I think I, I would, the number one health I've thought about this a lot. The number one health tip I would give anyone is to burn all or nothing thinking. It's not to eat more vegetables mm-hmm. or drink more water or do all of those things that we know are good, but it is, I would say, the number one most damaging, I don't want to say trait. That sounds, that's a personal, uh, but you know, uh, mindset. <laughs> it, it is. It's, it's like perfectionism. Oh, I wouldn't know anything about that. You don't either, right? Like this, no, yeah. not at all. <sighs> Look, and I think the other thing is like in, in certain spheres of life, all or nothing thinking can be helpful, right? Like in perfectionism, if you are looking at your numbers, you know, if you're doing accounting, like I kind of want my accountant to be perfect. I don't want my accountant yeah, to like careful. kind of get my numbers right, you know? And so- You're feeding my perfectionism here going- You're not an accountant, Marika. You're- <laughs> My little perfectionist devil sitting in my shoulder, like, yes, I won this one. I'm joking. (laughs) But I think, yeah, in in terms of health and body and all of those things, it is it's the worst thing that you can do because, like, you know, like you said, it's all or nothing is simple, but it it won't last. And so, if you can slowly shift away from it, it's certainly not something you can do overnight, but it's going to massively improve your mental health. your physical health, your social health, all of those, you know, all those aspects. Yeah. So on that note, do you have any suggestions of how people can start to identify diet culture or start to, I guess, reject that, um, yeah, the diet culture that they see or hear or have people talking about all the time? Yeah. yeah. It's everywhere. <laughs> um, in my experience, most of the questions I get about is, hey, Jono, is this thing real? Is this legit? Most people already know the answer. I think they just want to hear someone else say it, right? And I get that. Um, and I'm flattered that people ask. Don't get me wrong. You know, obviously that's that's quite a trusting position. So don't stop asking. But at the same time, I think people could trust themselves a lot more. And if it sounds like BS, it's it's probably BS, you know. Um, and it's a couple of other big hallmarks are, you know, if it's something that just completely flies in the face of conventional nutrition wisdom it's probably wrong you know like obviously nutrition science is always developing we're always you know exploring and finding new things but we're probably not going to turn around and be like oh 
I don't know, rice is bad, guys. We stuffed up. We got it wrong. We didn't realize rice is bad. <laughs> Tell Asia, you know, like, so it's, if it's this, <laughs> if it's this big, like that kind of moment, like lectins, or that, like, you know, if it's that kind of science is wrong, doctors have been lying to you pass yeah it's like um, the carnival diet and fiber it's oh like, my we, word. did we really get that <laughs> wrong <laughs> like yeah just uh, yes like that if it's just completely i know every ignore everything you've learned that kind of mindset right um another really good one is if they alert you to a problem you didn't even sort of know you have um mm. so like you know uh, toxins like wow my doctor didn't tell me i had all these toxins and a parasite like oh and then they sell you the solution, of course, very, very quickly as well. So like if there's, if they're making you fear something or worry about something and then the good news is they've got a product or an approach that can help that something run away. Mm. Um, brutally time-based is- things. Sorry, that was, you know, if it's results in six weeks or something like that, that generally is a red, a red flag. Yeah. And I was just going to say before is it's, it's really hard. And I would say to all of those things, when you're in a place of desperation, I was thinking like, with like, you know, if you're having gut issues or if you feel like you've tried every diet under the sun and maybe your GP is telling you that you need to lose 15 kilos and you've literally tried everything, then you feel like you're in this desperate spot where you're just obviously so vulnerable to messages. And this is why I'm so passionate about like what I do is because I just, it hurts, like it physically hurts me when these people are being sucked into ridiculous things online because they are in such a place of pain of where they are. And I think that that's where, and it, it's really hard as, you know, you would probably know too, is like, as because we know so much about nutrition is that we can't really not know what we know. So it's really easy for us to sit here and be like, you know, you should know that that's not like, that's not true. Like and you, intuitively you should know whereas we can't take away that bias of knowing nutrition like that's just not something that we're totally. ever able to not see so i think it's really hard to sit in the shoes that we're sitting in and sort of say well yeah like just don't engage with this because there's there's things that i've googled before and i'm just trying to think of an example but i've got nothing but i've googled that many things and i'm like you know like accounting things or something i'm like what do i do like on this yeah yeah it's like, trusting the first thing that comes up <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What's got the best SEO? Doesn't matter. Click that one. You know, yeah. you scroll past the, anything that says ad, but everything after that is fair game. And exactly. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's really challenging, and I think that my advice there would be that's where it is important to find trusted people that you feel like are your people who you go to for advice for nutrition. You know that the people they are the people that you trust, and almost keep that network as small as possible because yeah. the further you look outside of that, the more you're going to find conflicting information. And I actually saw this really good um, uh, piece of advice or quote, or I don't even know what you'd call it, from a psychologist on Instagram recently. And she said that somebody had commented on a post of hers or something like that and had said that she contradicts herself quite a lot. And she came out and said, yeah, I do, because that is the nature of health. Like, yeah. is that I'm going to contradict myself and say something different to different contexts and different people and different situations. And I thought that is such a powerful message is that somebody that you trust when it comes to nutrition probably will at some point as well contradict themselves because everything's going to be different in every different situation. Would you say it depends? 
(laughs) Never. The best answer. (laughs) But it's no, exactly. And I think, you know, that would be another hallmark of diet culture. If it doesn't depend, if this is the law, if this is what you need to do, you know, if someone, if, if you ask someone quite a broad nutrition question and they don't know you and they've got a really direct answer, I would be nervous. Like, well, hang on, you don't know my anything about me. Like, how can you be so sure about, you, you didn't even say it depends. You, you're clearly not evidence-based, you know? So <laughs> that's how you know someone's evidence-based. It, yeah. It so depends. Every answer with it depends. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in terms of diet culture, my last question on diet culture is, is it possible for us to get to a place where we feel that we are in control, I don't know if control is the right word here, but like in control of um, how we receive information. So essentially that we've rejected Diet culture is always going to exist. We can't get rid of that. But we've sort of put up this shield of anti-diet culture shields. Is that something that's possible? Have you seen it before? Uh, no, I don't think it is. And I think I, I think like, like most things in health, it's better to think of it as a skill that you're developing. And like any skill, <laughs> like you don't finish learning the guitar, right? You know, um, you might be like, even I'm sure you ask the best guitarists in the world and they tell you all the things that they're not good enough at and are working to improve on. And so I think that's an all or nothing approach to combating diet culture. I either can combat it or I can't. And if we instead give ourselves that, you know, that respect and that space to stumble and fall into some diet culture and fall into that trap. But if we can instead reflect on, how far we've come and how often we were falling for it in the past. And we remind ourselves that falling for diet culture is not a fault of our own. It's actually diet culture that is responsible. And if we're constantly looking to improve on that skill of recognizing and calling out and rejecting diet culture, then yeah, I I think that's, that is the way that I would approach it. It is a skill that you are constantly improving on and you never arrive at, but you can always work on it. Hmm. And would you have any practical tips that you could give our listeners that would be sort of steps that they could potentially take on that journey towards learning, like, you know, things that they could do to reject that culture? Um, I, I think step one is like acknowledge that you're going to suck at it <laughs> for a bit. Um, and when, so when you, when the inevitable happens, you don't spend and waste time beating yourself up for something that, like I said, is not your fault and is completely outside of your control. Um, I think part of that journey, like you mentioned before, is finding your circle, finding your, your group of, um, I think the terms like trusted advisors, whether that be friends and family or whether that be experts and, or people on social media, you know, like social media has a lot of, you know, we can say a lot of negative thing, things about it, but it also can be a really powerful, positive tool and allow you to connect up with some phenomenal professionals. And so making sure that you're kind of a comfortable with sucking at it, be building that safe space of, of, you know, experts and health information. Um, and then I think the, probably the third thing is, is just really analyzing your reasons for doing what you're doing and making sure that they are your own. And that can be really hard if all you've been bombarded with is look like this, feel like this, do this. Sometimes what feels like it was your idea, there's almost like diet inception going on you know where you Mm. feel like no 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 i i do want to lose weight i know i want to lose weight and like absolutely that might be your goal and that might be a valid goal but for someone else that might be actually you want to lose weight because you're 
uncomfortable in your body. And that's actually due to these massive other areas that you should work on. And it's not about the weight loss at all. So easier said than done. Don't get me wrong, but trying to make sure that you've drilled down to the core why like work out your core values yeah <laughs> you know them yeah. Straight on. yeah yeah really really simple like yeah. yeah just cut five minutes on the bus you'll knock that yeah. out no. <laughs> but keep working on that <laughs> yeah and keep questioning i think is the the mm. biggest thing there is keep asking i would say is this true and then is this true for me like is this helpful mm. for me is this something that i need to or want to take on board and yeah, like you were saying, it's like, come back to, well, why would you be doing it? And I think that you're so correct in saying that, you know, sometimes it's so guised in diet culture that we don't even see that it's diet culture. We think this is exactly what we want and that exactly what's going to make us happy and successful and everybody's going to love us. And we're just going to, you know, go on Love Island and live happily <laughs> ever after. <laughs> but it's when we come down to it, and this is where I find it really interesting, like where like sexism and everything comes into it as well. And like, you know, the culture over such a long period of time is that particularly obviously for women is that we've been taught to look a certain way so that people like looking at us. Like, is that like, but we think that we're doing this because we want to look good, but who decided what looking good is? Like who said that that was the only way to look good? It was definitely marketing men. Like, I mean, yeah. It's, yeah, you know. I'm thinking like old white men. Yeah. 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 I, like I can picture them. I can see them yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. I know exactly what they same. look like. Yeah. I'm sure we've got uh, the same person in our head. Yeah. Um, nothing against men though, but I think that, yeah, it definitely was a, a male, a male gaze that women have been trying to attain to look a desirable to when, and this is where I, I really respect like the feminism, you know, movement and everything like that, where, you know, women are sort of challenging all of these sort of notions that we've had for so many generations. But I think one where we really can like step up here is go, why are we still trying to appease to like diet culture is a feminist issue, I would say as well. Hmm. Um, And so why are we still, why are we not taking that on board? And why are we not starting to challenge? Well, Hey, I can look good in any shape, size, color way of looking, as opposed to just having to try and make my body smaller. Because diet culture is a persistent bitch with a lot of money and actually let's let's finish on that is that i think that it's important to recognize how much money the diet industry makes like it is phenomenal like in the hundreds of billions of dollars that globally the diet industry is making and its purpose is to make us feel bad about ourselves so that we then spend money to try and make us feel better about ourselves but in turn we actually feel worse about ourselves and we go and spend more money on them so it is like a money like machine which then obviously money buys our attention like you know money buys spots on facebook money buys spots on instagram money pays influencers to talk about different things like money plays such a big role here yeah well you want repeat customers right you know if you want to have an industry that's successful you want to you want someone to come back and buy something else so it's just going to be set up to get you in that diet cycle and, and, and keep you there. Rinse and repeat. Yeah. So to finish <laughs> off, Jenna, we are going to do a rapid fire segment, which I actually have not done before. So you are my oh, first rapid okay. fire. <laughs> no pressure. Um, we're doing debunking some diet culture bullshit or BS, depending on whether you like to use the full word or not. Um, and so what we're going to be doing is I've got – I've actually got 11 questions. I had 10 originally, but one's come through through Instagram recently, Ooh, which okay. I 
Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I quite like, and I feel like you might actually have a good answer too. So first one is detoxes are beneficial for resetting our body after a binge. BS. Am I expanding? No, that's not rapid if I expand. No, BS. No, no. Weight is a good indicator of health. BS. There is no such thing as eating for your blood type. Wait, B- BS. There is no such okay. thing. Okay, I just hit blood type and my first... No, it's not BS. So true, it, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. True. No. <laughs> Alarm bells like... <laughs> Correct, there is no... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking lemon water on an empty stomach first thing in the morning is good for your digestion. BS. Everybody should feel positive about their bodies all of the time. BS. You have to eat less in order to weigh less. Ah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> BS. Yeah, yeah. The simplicity, I would agree. Okay. The simplicity yeah. of that statement, BS. Yes, definitely. that does not take into account anywhere near the amount of context. It depends. but Yeah, it- yeah that's it. <laughs> midline answer. Um, it is not possible to control your hunger. Let, let's flip that. It is possible to control your hunger. True with a whole heap of caveats. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking what I would say to that. I think I'd agree with that too. Like there's certainly, there's, there's things you can do that will make you hungrier and there's things you can do to make you less hungry, but hunger differs from person to person. Yeah. That's. I mean, like if you, the simplicity of that answer, that question, it is not possible to control your hunger. Eating should control your hunger unless there's something wrong with you. Like eating food should get rid of hunger. Like drinking water should get rid of thirst. Totally. Yeah. But the amount of food that I might need to eat to not feel hungry could be totally different different. to you and, and, and so on. Eating fat makes you fat. Oh, BS again from the the simplicity of that statement. Yeah. Paleo diet is the best diet because we once were all paleothic. You couldn't even get through that question. BS. (laughs) No, no, I don't blame you. I should have put a carnivore one in here, Um, but I did not. Um, Weight loss diets work. True. Yep, I'm, I'm happy with but, that. But again, <laughs> I'm dying, <laughs> holding all the caveats inside. No, it's fine. It's fine. Sorry, add a caveat to that one. I'm happy if you do. Okay, it depends on what the weight loss diet is. It depends on the person. It depends on what your definition of work, all of those those sorts of things. And so, yeah, and yeah. The, how long you're maintaining that weight loss and how, yeah, all of exactly, these things. Exactly, yeah. So I've got two additional questions i lied one is and i'm going to read it exactly <laughs> it's put in, wtf are spud light potatoes yeah right so they are potatoes that are slightly higher in fiber and water so five we don't extract as much energy from fiber and water so per 100 grams they contain less energy than normal potatoes so for some people they can be a good choice but again, coming back to intent really quickly, if someone is getting spotlight potatoes because they're afraid of normal potatoes, I would push oh back God. hard against that. But that's what they are. And uh, yeah. what's what's the other one? Um, I've forgotten. The... Charisma. Charisma, yeah. yeah. Charisma. Yeah. Basically the same thing. Um, so yeah, they're like a low carb, low calorie version of a potato. And I think one key thing there that people have asked me before is that, you know, are they like genetically modified and stuff like that it's just a variety of potato so there's nothing like you know fancy science experiments going into these potatoes they're just a potato (laughs) they don't glow in the dark 
No. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> um, I was going to say something else about Spud Light potatoes there. What was it? Oh, I was going to say is that diet culture doesn't own like these foods. I think that's something that diet culture really has. Like, you know, if you're eating Spud Light potatoes, then you must be engaging in diet culture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you drink like, Coke well, no. Zero. Oh. Yes. Like, yeah, you're dieting. No. It's like, no, I just just like the taste and just wanted to go zero yeah um and final one is is it okay to have dessert every night yeah wait true what was my yes true yeah yeah true but true situation dependent but true wait is it okay yes is it okay yeah of course yeah amazing well thank you so much Jono I appreciate appreciate your time and your expertise now, where can all of our lovely listeners find you online if they are wanting to connect with you or to see you as a dietitian? And actually, I should mention, Jono is one of the dietitians that I strongly recommend that if you are looking for somebody to um, connect with and to uh, go to for individual consultations, I'm actually not taking on clients at the moment. So Jono is one of the people who I have been referring to. So got my tick of approval. I know there's no video to this, but I've just gone quite red. Um, <laughs> all right. So <laughs> Instagram is a good place to find me. J-O-N-O Steedman, Jono Steedman. Um, otherwise, www.bitemenutrition.com.au. Those are the, the two best places where all of my time and attention and the screen time that Apple keeps shoving in my face contribute to. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> I know I can turn Every it Every Sunday. Off, like not suck of a want. punishment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's increased by 20%. Yes, good. I know. I'm like, this is not, perfectionism's not loving this one. <laughs> Maybe you should just flip it on its head, get it as high as you can. <laughs> Every week and increase it 20%. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Jono, for joining us. And hopefully we'll have you back for another episode in the future. Would love to. Thanks, Marika. See ya. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. Now, I wanted to give a special note to say Firstly, I hope you all have the most wonderful Christmas and New Year. Reason being is that we are going to be taking a two-week break from the podcast as of today. So we won't be having any new episodes come out next week or the week after. Now, if you tuned in last week, you would have heard the very exciting announcement of Fueled by Marika Day being launched at the end of January next year, so 2022. Now, if you haven't signed up for updates on that, please head on over to day, and that's fueled with a double L. So fueledbymarikaday.com and you can pop in your email address there and we will send you all the updates and also um, some really exciting offers that will be launching in January next year. Um, but yeah, take some time off for yourself over the next couple of weeks. If you are looking for some podcast episodes to consume, head on back to some of the previous episodes and catch up on any episodes that you might have missed. Uh, make sure that you're following me at Marika Day on Instagram or you're following Fueled, uh, Fueled by Marika Day on Instagram as well, because that's where we'll be putting a lot of updates on the upcoming program. Um, and finally, I just wanted to say... If you are feeling worried or um, concerned about, you know, your nutrition and health over the Christmas and New Year period, I really just wanted to say that there is no such thing as falling off track when we're talking about living a healthy and balanced life. There is no track. It really is about leaning into what feels good for you in the moment and what feels right for you. So 
please, if I can give you one message to take away with you for the next two weeks is to practice self-compassion over the next few weeks and um, love and respect your body in a way that is true for you. So don't beat yourself up for choosing to enjoy the Christmas period. Don't feel like that you need to restrict or over-exercise, but in the same sense, if you you know feel good by continuing exercise or if you feel good by choosing you know foods that are healthier from time to time, do what is right for you and for your body. What feels good, not what diet culture tells you that you should do. So I think this is a perfectly fitting episode to finish the season up with and yeah, have a lovely Christmas and New Year and we'll catch you in the New Year.